Uh, welcome back, basketball fans. Seems like we just walked away from here. Appreciate Kobe Dent again from the college experience uh, for joining us. And um, as promised, said that we were going to come back and run some of my victory for MSU segment. Of course, I got a fan favorite, especially and particularly on Twitter. Um, for those of you who like to engage with my next guest quite a bit, uh, want to make sure that I let you guys know before I bring him in, he's in the green room waiting on me. So I'm gonna make sure that I try and make this as quick as possible. Uh, my mom, there's no such thing as that. And she'll be the first one to stand up and raise her hand and say like, oh, he's going to be here forever. But I promise I won't. Let me just say this first. You're listening to Tate's Take, the podcast. Find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine. Just anywhere you find your favorite pod. Simple as that. And remember to uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama, tell everybody where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational and don't forget the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. So don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. We give you an opportunity to do so and follow along on social media at Takes Take Hoops. T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Hashtag per usual. You guys know the drill already where basketball lives. And without further ado, let me bring my boy up in here, man, because he's going to get something started. We may have had a little bit too much fun. Uh, the last time that uh, he was on the show, I'm going to make sure that I can bring him into the green room. So see what I know what I'm doing. There we go. There goes my dude, Rico Beard, host of the Valenti Show with Rico on 97.1, the ticket up in the D. There's only one D. They say Dallas. They call it Dallas the D. There's only one D, and that's Detroit. Find him on Twitter. Look at my boy. <laughs> my boy got me spitting stuff over here, man. Find him on Twitter, at Rico Beard, at Rico Beard. Rico, man, what's popping, bro? Uh, Deshaun, man, glad you had me back on. Um, I tried to tell everybody a few weeks ago, you don't count out Tom Izzo. Everybody had that team dead and buried. And I remember saying, you know, everything lies ahead of them. They win the games, and it looked improbable. But, damn, they did it. They went out there not beating, I'm going to sound like LeBron, not one. Not two, but three top five teams uh -huh. solidified uh -huh. their spot in the tournament. Now, it's a little bit of a joke, man, a play-in game, but I think I know the reason for that. But we'll talk about that a little later. Sounds good to me. I got a feeling I know where you're going, but I ain't going to steal your thunder or rain on your parade. And I want to make sure I also mention this out as well. And this may not seem like as much to snooze at. Uh, uh, or much to sneeze at, rather, but it has to be mentioned. I feel like it's only right. This is a program that's worked really hard to be able to say this, so I have to mention it. While they did beat three top five uh, ranked teams, they beat four top six ranked teams as well, as we know that Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium was one of the teams uh, that was ranked number six at the time. You mentioned it. You alluded to it a little bit as to why you believe that they are um, – playing in the first four. Why don't you just go ahead and shed some light on, on, on the people as to why you believe that that is? Uh, oh, can you repeat that again? You broke up. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, shed some light as to why you saying that you do believe that they are playing in the first four. Money. I mean, it's eyeballs. It's what the NCAA needs. Nobody ever watches the first four. Ever. I mean, unless your team happens to be in it, they went and they got two blue bloods and 
Now all of a sudden, Michigan State and UCLA, they're two name brand teams. So instead of it being, you know, Drexel versus Northeast Missouri State, you got Michigan State. Oh, Tom Izzo, I know them. UCLA, oh, I remember, you know, when they used to win titles back in the day. Hey, you know, Tyus Edney, two name brand teams. There's And the fact that they rely way too heavily on the net, which was a joke, and they stopped using the eyeball test. There's no way that Syracuse or Utah State should be in higher than Michigan State. I mean, Syracuse, the best victory was Virginia Tech. They, they were one and seven against the other top quadrant one teams. They just weren't a good team. If anything, they should be in this playing game. It's a little insulting to Izzo. It's a little insulting to the Big Ten, but it's the hand that you were dealt. You know what? When we did this interview a couple of weeks ago, if I would have told Spartan fans, you're in the tournament, but you're in the playing game, I think they would have took that. So you, as Tom Izzo said today in his press conference, anywhere, any place, anytime. And I'm going to have to get a little bit more information from you of exactly what that uh, press conference entailed. Don't UCLA against number 11 seeded Michigan State taking place on Thursday at 957. That is P Eastern Standard Time. So a little over 48 hours away from that. Of course, you can see that on TBS. Uh, a place. Let me ask you how much this concerns you because no, they're not playing Purdue. They are playing at Purdue. Not typically a place that Michigan State. I'm not trying to overthink this thing. But not typically a place that Michigan State plays their best brand of basketball in West Lafayette, Indiana. Right. Am I overthinking that a little bit too much? I know they're not playing Purdue. It's UCLA, but is it just me? You know what? I was told not to overthink it because they're not actually playing Purdue. You don't have the paint crew, the student section in there to kind of wreak havoc. But that's been a house of horrors for Michigan State. They have not done well at all. At Mac. Some of their worst losses. And this was good teams. I'm talking the Miles Bridges, the Jerry Jacksons of the world, the Gary Harris's. They've gone to Mackey and laid a flat out egg. Now, it could play to their advantage because, one, they played there before. It's a weird shaped gym if you've never been there. Uh, to be an engineering school, you got to wonder who was drunk when they designed Mackey Arena. <laughs> Because it's got, like, dead coffin corners that if you go in there, man, I mean, you're taking your life in your own hands. So you got that. And then they will also have some crowd there because they did issue out uh, emails to season ticket holders saying, hey, if you want to come, they're offering tickets, limited amount of tickets. I got to feel that Michigan State will have fans there. I don't think people are going to travel from L.A. to West Lafayette to a first four game. So Michigan State should have the crowd. They'd have the advantage of being actually playing on Mackey Arena, knowing the bad spots to the arena. We'll see. It, it, it could be a blessing and a curse. We'll see. Let me ask you this, and I want to see if I am, uh, if we're on the same page of this, or at least what your thoughts of or what runs through my little peanut brain and my little peanut head. Uh, let me ask you this: when it when it came to Michigan State getting this 11 seed. Did they deserve an 11 seed or did they deserve that 11 seed? I don't think so. Um, 
may have gotten some push from some people on this a little bit, but I think that Michigan State's, if, if you can't say that you're a team that did everything 110% to not be put in this position to play in the first four, um, then you just kind of, obviously you have to accept right. it for what it is, but they just didn't do enough. They're lucky to kind of be in. What is your thoughts on my mentality of just the fact that, listen, Michigan State clearly just did not do enough and you shouldn't have put your yourself in this position it could have been different well you're right they shouldn't have put themselves in the position now when you look at uh i think had they won the maryland game they would have swapped with maryland and they would have been a 10 seed maryland would have been an 11 seed i still don't think maryland would have been in the playing game i strictly think that this is because of money plain and simple because my my, my god they they screwed this up uh, i mean it's so simple i mean this is your job selection committee if you don't want to do it right find somebody else to do it but my goodness there's no way you could justify this stuff and they're like well you know we we put ucla in the play-in game because ucla they, they finished the season poorly well michigan state didn't finish the season poorly they were the opposite of poorly they knocked off half of the number one seeds in the last three weeks but they're in a playing game makes no sense whatsoever but anyway they did put themselves in this situation with a lot of bad losses. One of the things that Tom Izzo said was maybe he should not have come back after they had their that COVID break and played those three road games. He said basically the league rewarded people for not playing. And had they not played those games and not had those three losses, man, you're, you're looking at the, their record now and what are they? They would be like, what, I think like 16 and uh, eight. That looks a lot better than 16 and 11 or something like that. So, yeah, and he said, you know what? He went out there trying to be, you know, Billy Badass. I'm going to play everybody. It hurt them and it helped them. They got in. They're in. Now they just have to really certify that mark. Have to play three games in the first weekend if they want to get to the Sweet 16. But, no, you're right. You, you, you don't lose some of these games and – once again, probably the biggest game now, you go back to that Purdue game at home. You had it, and you lost it. If you win that game, you're you're probably looking at a solid 10 seed because Purdue ended up getting better. It was a victory, but they didn't. They let it get away. They let Travion Williams beat them, and, you know, the rest was history. And had Duke made it in the tournament, that game would have looked better. But because Duke didn't, didn't look as good. A lot of people tend to kind of forget about that Duke game a little bit. In the locker room of episode 66s, I know that sounds really weird, uh, uh, Rico Beard, uh, host of the Valenti Show with Rico from 97.1, the ticket uh, up there in the D, only one D in Detroit. Um, let me ask you this one because, uh, yeah, when it comes to, let me ask you this, when it came to the press conference earlier, if you don't mind, if you can share, what were some of your takeaways from Tom Izzo's press conference on earlier as he prepares uh, for this UCLA team? I mean, as he prepares, I, I think he was, he got over a little bit of the shock. He admitted to the fact that he lied to us all here, but we all knew he was lying when he said, ah, streak doesn't matter. And then he was like, yeah, you know what? The streak does matter. When I look at Coach K and his streak is over, and those two had the longest tenure at one school. You know, North Carolina had a streak. I mean, Kansas has a streak, but they share it 
with Bill Self and 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 uh, Roy Williams. So yeah, you know, two coaches. Whereas these guys, they did it on their own. Or like Mark Few and Gonzaga, it's one coach. So he was like seeing that Coach K streak came to an end. And let's be honest, Coach K may not be around before. Duke goes back to 26 consecutive tournaments. I mean, they're both getting up there in age. So it does mean something to, for him to say. I mean, there's a banner inside the Breslin Center that says 22 consecutive NCAA tournaments. They're going to change that to 23. That's a great recruiting tool. You come to Michigan State, and basically you are guaranteed to go to the tournament. So he talked about that and how, you know, it was a lot of pressure, but those guys did. He talked about how Magic's, Magic and Draymond and Mateen just unsolicited called the team and said, hey, guys, pretty much where's your pride? You're wearing the jersey. You got a legacy to uphold. We got to keep this thing going. And I think that's when you saw Aaron Henry hit that switch and Josh Langford all of a sudden starts saying, yeah, you're right. Look at that name on the jersey. Think of all the other people who wore this thing. We don't want to be the class that said we let this team and we let this program and we let this family down. So you saw the sense of urgency get kicked in with a lot of the players. Now, you know, as far as this, he said, hey, they'll be prepared uh, for UCLA. And Izzo also said, hey, there's no he, – he doesn't think there's another a better team in the tournament – with a better two-day turnaround. So he's basically like, look, win me the first game, and I can win you the next two games. I'll get you to the second weekend because we're going to do that quick turnaround. But you got to win that first one. And UCLA, man, UCLA is weird because they, they kind of play like a Big Ten team from what I saw. Very – a lot of sets, very methodical with their offense. Um you know, five guys who score in double figures, but nobody's really great. I think Johnny Zhang, the uh, Kentucky transfer, is their leading scorer. But, you know, uh, you know, Tiger Campbell, point guard, Michigan State went after, you know, I think he's – I know you say he's like 5'11". He ain't 5'11". Maybe <laughs> with his hair. I don't know. if Did he cut his hair or has he still got the hair? Because he still got the hair. Okay, well, now he looks hair. like he's six hey. feet one, but – it ain't it ain't it ain't it ain't quite as neat as mine, but he still got his hair. Yeah, but uh, you know you got him at the point guard. It really comes down to they have a small lineup, which actually benefits Michigan State because Michigan State plays better when they can go you know small with a bunch of wing players. This may not be a game that you see a ton of Marcus Bingham or a ton of Matty Sissoko. This may be a game where you could see Malik Hall or Joey Hauser at the five spot because they play a lot smaller and you know i, I don't necessarily their big man ain't ain't he ain't travion it, you know it ain't kofi coburn it ain't luca garza so they kind of catch a break so that's why i think you don't need them now if they happen to win then bingham and sissoko will play big against byu because they got matt harms a former purdue transfer and that's somebody you got to put a body on. But in this game, man, it, it really comes down to, I, I mean, I hate to sound cliche, who hits their shots, especially early, because Mackey has a way of, of of the score getting away from you in that arena. There's ain't a ton of close games. And Michigan State can get that crowd behind them. Even though it may be sparse and maybe small, I think it may be enough to carry them into the uh, Saturday's game. Now, unfortunately, 
Man, who? I mean, every year it's like they screw over Tom Izzo. Can we just call it what it is? They they deserve a one seed. They get a two seed. Oh, you're in a playing game. And as a matter of fact, you're gonna play it at ten o'clock at night. God forbid the earlier game goes to double overtime. Now you're looking at damn near an eleven o'clock start. Seriously, I mean, what did he do to to deserve this type of treatment? Last time I checked, he is a Hall of Fame coach, right? That is correct. I say this much, uh, and and this is two programs that are definitely familiar with each other. Just taking it back over the course of the last few years, uh, last year uh, where uh, UCLA played uh, Michigan State in the uh, Maui Invitational, Michigan State ended up winning that game. And I believe year before that, somewhere right around the time of when Joshua Langford was playing some of the best brand of basketball that he's ever played in his career, a uh, game that they played in Las Vegas where Michigan State won that game yeah. as well. And then a few years by 20 points. I was, I, was act- I was actually at that game. They beat him by 20 points. You ain't, you ain't bring me no money back, but that's a whole nother conversation. But that game I didn't bring me Vegas. no money back either. <laughs> <laughs> but do recall, Vegas, uh, Vegas doesn't give away uh, cheap dinners for free. You know, you I pay know for it one right. way or another. I know that's right. Uh, and then last but not least, I remember if I can go back a few years prior to that, and I could be totally off base here, but if my memory serves me correctly, I remember Derek Nix, Joshua Smith going up against each other, the battle of the behemoths in the first round, I want to say. Of the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, I uh, can't remember what year that was, but they met up at that time too, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Right? I, yeah, I want to say 2000. That was a UCLA win, but I can't remember. Man, I, I want to say that that may be like 2000. Oh, God, eight. Yeah, I think that was like 2008. Um, with Knicks and going up against that. And ironically enough, Michigan State was struggling to see if they were going to make And I think that was the last time they really had to sweat it out like this. Ironically enough, they ended up with UCLA. UCLA had this big lead. They had a 25-point lead, and Michigan State cut it down by 24 points. And Kalen missed like a half-court shot at the buzzer that would have won the game for him. But... Yeah, I remember at the end of that game, Izzo was like, you know what? I took a lot of criticism. People told me, be nice to my players. He was like, F that. I'm going back to being tough. I'm going back to the type of drills that I do. And we're going back to Michigan State style. Because you're right, Josh Smith kind of pushed everybody around. And they looked rather soft in that game. So, yeah, that's good memory. Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, we might have to fact check that one because I know it wasn't 2008. No disrespect to your memory. But 2008 was the year that I I believe we lost to Derrick Rose in Memphis in that time. But we'll try and figure that one out a little bit later. Um, now, UCLA is a team. Obviously, we talked about Johnny Juzang and Tiger Campbell. They're without Chris Smith in the front court. He only played uh, less than two handfuls of games earlier this year. They're on a four-game losing streak entering this game. Uh the only, what are some of your, I guess, we talked about the strengths of Michigan State because they have the size advantage, if you will. What are some of your concerns? Because the reality is I feel like this thing is closer than what some people may actually think it is, probably more so because they've seen more Michigan State and Big Ten than they have uh, CLA being out on the West Coast in the Pac-12. But the 
only thing I feel like in some instances that's been consistent about me this year is that they've been consistently inconsistent, particularly when it comes to the rotations. What are some of the difference makers or, ga- or gaps that you feel like needs to be closed to prepare themselves for this game? What, what do they need to do? What are some of the keys to victory for Michigan State and some of the things that they need to avoid? I mean, for Michigan with? State, the thing they have to do is – they got to stay aggressive. They got to jump out to an early lead and they have to be able to maintain that lead. And you saw in the Maryland game in the Big Ten tournament, they jumped out on an early lead. Then they started to shoot way too many threes and they stopped being aggressive. They stopped going to the basket. When they, Michigan State goes to the basket, and goes to the, they play a lot better. I mean, look at Rocket Watts. His game against Michigan, he scores 21 points. And a lot of those were at the basket. When, when Rocket is, is just happy threes, he's not a good three-point shooter. I don't know why he keeps shooting, trying to shoot threes. He's like a 20% three-point shooter. But in his mind, he's Steph Curry's son. It's like, dude, you are not Steph. Drive. You're the fastest person on the court at any given time there. Use that to your advantage. He did against Michigan. For Michigan State, though, they got to get out early because – they they when they play it from behind, they they don't have that same intensity and they almost have a defeated type of attitude. So they need to jump ahead early and stay early and let the momentum help them. Then they can use their bench, they can use their fouls because they're gonna they're gonna try to beat up UCLA and and, and the referees. If the referees are going to call a fight, they're going to be in a lot of foul trouble. If the referees let them get away with some of the Big Ten type of things, they'll be fine. Now, I saw six refs won't be in the tournament. One is Teddy Valentine. I'm sure everybody's sad about that one. But get well soon, Teddy. You know, I'm not a mean person. But they have to – they got to get a lead. They have to be able to play defense. They have to avoid long droughts. And once again, they have to not want to fall in love with that three-point shot because I don't know why, but they love jacking that thing up. And, yeah, it looks great when you hit three in a row. It looks really bad when you miss five in a row. You take your out of a game. Go for the easy baskets. Go for it down low. And you need somebody other than Aaron Henry to step up. If Aaron Henry is the only person that steps up, Michigan State is not going to win. But if he gets help, whether it's Langford, whether it's Hauser, whether it's Rocket, whether it's Gabe Watt, whether it's Malik Hall, who showed up in that loss and had a season high 19 points, somebody has to help them. I'll tell you this stat, and once again, the magical number for Michigan State in this tournament is the number 66. You know what that means? When they score over 66 points, they are 12 and 2. When they score under 66 points, you're looking at, I think, what, 2 and 11 or 3 and 11 or something like that. So 66 points is the cutoff. If they score over that, chances are they're winning the game. You know what? Let, let me say this. I want to find out who maybe that X factor is for you. I mean, it could be between two guys for me personally, and I'll definitely give you the opportunity to answer as to whether this team wins or doesn't win because here's the, here's the thing. You know, when you have a guy like Aaron, 
and Henry when he's playing really, really, really good, a lot of times they typically do win. Not always, but a lot of times they do win. If he's not particularly having the great game, and most people are going to say that next guy in line is probably Joshua Langford. Outside of those two, if one has a mediocre game and the other one doesn't have a, a, a good game or a great game, if you will, for me it's between that rocket. I like to see Gabe Brown get on the floor a little bit more instead of selling for jump shots, showcase a little bit more of the athleticism that I know he has within his bag. To me, it's a combination of those two guys as X factors to determine the success moving forward, not just in this game, for Michigan State in the event that that's the case. A decent game by Henry uh, and not a really good game by Langford or a really good game by Langford and a decent, maybe not uh, the expect, uh, not meeting the expectations for Henry in the event that that's the case. Who is just the ultimate X factor for this Michigan State team? I mean, I think you're looking at one of three people. If that, if 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 those two guys just have an okay game, they each get 12 points apiece. You're going to need one of three guys to step up. Joey Hauser, you know, he had his season high against Wisconsin. He scored 27 points. Rocket Watts, you saw what he did against Michigan, 21 points. Gabe Brown coming off the bench is another one. If Gabe gets hot. He's a streaky shooter. He reminds me back in the day of a Joe, I mean, of a, of a Benny Johnson, where he just heats up real fast. And when he gets hot, man, just keep feeding him the rock, feeding him the ball, because he's going to get you over that hump. He, you know, I remember he did that against, I think he had three threes in a row against Indiana, which kind of put the nail in the coffin against the, the Hoosiers. So one of those three would have to step up if, if you're going to do that. Now, I do say this. If Michigan State gets ahead, now you can introduce Marcus Bingham. Now you can make UCLA play your game. And you don't have anybody who's seven feet tall. You don't have anybody who can help out Bingham. And Bingham has stepped his game up in the last couple of weeks. Now, he's not where they want him to be, but this is one where you can exploit a mismatch, especially if you get ahead, if you start getting an eight-point lead, now you can put him in there and dump the ball down low. By doing that, either he makes a move to the basket and gets a dunk or a layup and an and one, or it frees up the three-point line where you can shoot. Because a lot of times when Michigan State falls down, it's just a lot of standing around the perimeter. It looks like the other team is playing a zone, but they're really not. It's just no Michigan State person is driving in the lane. So the coaches is like, hey, stay in the lane. Now, if UCLA plays that way, they'll be fine. If UCLA like actually tries to go out to guard them at the three-point line, that's going to be trouble for them because every Big Ten team realized, man, let them shoot threes all day. They self-check out there. We ain't got to check them. Just stand here, shoot. They'll shoot it. They'll miss it. Get the rebound. We go down and we'll score. But when they're playing their game and they're driving to the basket, I mean, hey, here's a little trivia question. Who's the last team to beat Illinois who seems to be one of the most red-hot teams in the country? MSU. I still don't know how they did that. I don't. I've been re-watching the game like, how did y'all do this? But, yeah, one of those, to answer your question, Hauser, Rocket, or Gabe Brown, I think it's one of those three. Now, the beauty for Michigan State, and I don't know. I mean, they've been playing, I think at the end of the season, they played – uh, I want to say they played seven games, seven games in 13 days. 
It was like an NBA schedule. They played one game in the last 11 games, last 11 days. That was against Maryland. They had the meltdown. Now, I'll give Izzo credit because I was watching the game. Izzo, Hall of Fame coach, does not let the referees get in his head like that. The reason why I say that, once they got into Izzo's head, they got into Izzo, they got into his team's head, and then it was five on eight. And no, the referees didn't hate you. Every shot you did, you was crying and complaining. And, oh, call that foul. And now you're playing your game. You're sitting there trying to placate to the referees. And Maryland took full advantage of it and had that miraculous comeback where they were down big. And then State just, Izzo gets to D. And it was over after that. Everybody just was whining and complaining like a bunch of, you know, female dogs. <laughs> That's one so, way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. But then they, they ended up, and Izzo owned it. He was like, you know what? Once I lost my composure, my team lost my composure. Had they stayed focused, they may have had a chance of beating Maryland. But, I mean, you could just see it. They they quit. They were just they were just jacking up shots. And they, they, they were – Malik Hall was the only one. And ironically enough, you know how he scored his 19 points? At the basket. He wasn't jacking up threes. That's where – they're a lot stronger, but they just don't realize it. I'm going to ask you what is the ceiling in the NCAA tournament for this team and not very many more questions for you at all as we get ready to wrap things up and conclude the interview. But, you know, if they find a way to beat UCLA and win this game and obviously what would technically be the first round of the NCAA tournament, you get BYU while not overlooking, at least not over this way, overlooking BYU who gave Gonzaga all that they could handle in the West Coast Conference uh, tournament championship game with a 12-point lead and was shooting 76% from the field in that game. But in the event that they can get past UCLA or BYU or whatever, what have you, um, just in general, what do you see the ceiling is for uh, this team? If everything works out, best case scenario, everything works out for Michigan State while yet realistically having a good feel for who they could match up with down the road, where do you think that this team finishes at this season? Uh, realistic. I mean, man, <laughs> this is going to sound like a cop-out, but it's not true. If they get past UCLA, and that's a big if, because if they lose, then this is a moot conversation. But they get past UCLA, honestly, if everything goes the way it can, I think that they can beat BYU because of the style that BYU plays. BYU, everybody saw that first half against Gonzaga and like, oh, my God, BYU's great. BYU played over their head. BYU, that was that was their Super Bowl. That was their NBA final. They knew, man, we can make an impression on the world if we knock off Gonzaga, which they did. Uh, I think they were the last team to beat Gonzaga. So BYU was playing very like over their head. I don't think they're going to hit as many shots like that. Law of averages say, yeah, you're not going to stay that hot. So they may actually, the layoff actually hurt them. I think, you know, if, if MSU plays Texas, you know, he doesn't have a good tournament resume ever since his days of VCU and, and that Havoc defense. I, I don't think he's won a tournament game since. So, Something you may want to watch out for. Alabama, if they play Alabama, Alabama is good, but when the pressure is on, man, Alabama, you know, it's, you know, either causes diamonds or it causes pipes to bust. 
Alabama has a lot of leakage. They be calling the plumber a lot. Let's just put it like that. Honestly, you probably get to the Elite Eight. I think best case scenario, if things that way, they get to the Elite Eight. And once you get to the Elite, hey, you get lucky, you never know. You can make it to the Final Four. You just got to wait and see. Rico, you a multiple bracket guy? Are you a one bracket guy? Do you fill them out at all? What 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 they doing in the Rico Beard household? And not only that, but do you have a? You know, we come from similar parts of the United States, obviously regionally up in Michigan. Do you have a go to in terms of what's on the menu for the NCAA tournament? How how is Rico Beard kicking back and watching the tournament these days? Well. Bracket. I mean, I used to I used to do a bracket, and a lot of times I would either do one bracket or I would do two brackets. Um, you know, I would do one with like the serious bracket, and then I would do one where I kind of pick my favorite teams. So one was the money bracket, one was the heart bracket. But I I haven't done a bracket in a long time, and, and honestly, I mean, and they they that online gambling here. I mean, it's Look, if your if your bracket gets busted in the first weekend, you're done, man. But I can make bets every game now, so I doubt it. And look, everybody's working from home, so you did the work bracket, but nobody's at work anymore. So probably not. The go to is I don't know because I'm normally at the tournament games, so I'm eating the media food. So yeah. whatever they're serving us, this is weird because last year we didn't have a tournament, and this year. You know, they've limited to really five people per team. So I didn't even apply. I let some other people who seriously do it, do it. But so I don't know. Uh, a lot of time with state plays, man, I'm a little too nervous to eat anyway. So the mm -hmm. other games, you know, I don't know, just the standard, get some chicken wings or I don't know, go throw some sausages or something on the grill and just sit back and enjoy the games. But then with state plays, man, I'm, I'm real focused. I just yeah. – I don't know. I've, I've never been able to just eat. Like, like back in the day when they was the one seed, you know, it was easy. You know, they, they won there. The first game was a bye. The second game was an 8-9 game, which they ended up beating people anyway. And then it got serious in the Sweet 16. But now, and then the first four game at 10 o'clock at night, man, I'm, I'm you know, caffeine. That's what, no-dose. That's what I'm, barbecued no-dose. Co-beverage? Co uh nah 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 <laughs> gotta work the next day <laughs> i got you i got you man appreciate you my dude man episode 66 is what it is uh, appreciate rico beer for joining me host of the valenti show with rico make sure y'all go and check that out man it's always good entertaining stuff i can't tell you i listen every day but i do support from a distance hey. during the times that i don't get a chance to host of the valenti show with rico on 97.1 the ticket in detroit find them on social media especially if you're amazing blue if you're one of those wolverine oh, fans you know what i'm talking about at rico beard again at Rico Beard, R-I-C-O-B-E-A-R-D. Rico, man, my right. dude, I appreciate you, brother. Hey, man, hey, look, look. if they make it to the Elite Eight, I guess you got to have me back on because I told you they was going to make it to the tournament now. Okay. And Michigan fans, just just don't. I mean, yeah. oh, your team is in the, you know, first four game. Hey, guess who your team just lost to? You don't get bragging rights, okay? Yeah. And with no Isaiah Livers, that second game could be interesting. It's gonna I'll be just tough. leave it at that. It can definitely be tough. And if Michigan State doesn't make it to the Final Four, make sure you jump in Rico's DMs. Rico, appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> me on the show, sir.
All right, see you, Deshaun. Appreciate you. All right, later on. That was my dude, Rico Beer, man, joining me. Always have a good time. Kind of fellowshipping with that brother. We always have a lot of fun. Um, let's go ahead and conclude right here. Uh, still trying to work on some things with Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution talking about Georgia Tech. We will get to that. Um, I got to touch base with Mr. Segura so that we can wrap over a couple things. I know he's got some things going on. It's a busy time, Georgia Tech. Uh, somebody within the Georgia Tech party just uh, recently tested positive for COVID. On top of that, their ACC Conference Tournament champions for this year uh, of 2021 and uh, now making their way over to uh, Indianapolis to play uh, in their 8-9 uh, matchup game against Loyola Chicago. So we will definitely pick the brain sometime between now and then of the tip of the game um, uh, with Ken Segura again uh, covers the men's basketball team for Georgia Tech through the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Until then, I'll see you guys on the next one. Remember to give me a follow on social media platform, all social media platforms, that is, at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S, T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. You guys already know that that's where basketball lives, and I do appreciate everybody who has already done so. But if you haven't, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. We talk about it right here on Tate's Take, which I like to call the best, the most informational, the most educational, and the most entertaining basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. And I think that that's going to wrap up our Victory for MSU segment. Um, so remember to tell, you, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, and you guessed it, yes, tell your baby mama too to go and subscribe. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, follow along on all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S, T-A-K-E, H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. Thank you again to Rico Beard and a couple of the people who chimed in with us. I know my dude, uh, Todd Quarter chimed in with us. Uh, uh, I definitely appreciate him for coming through and showing some love. And I'm sorry I couldn't quite get to everybody, uh, but definitely my dude, Al Martin, look at him. Rico Suave came on his show a few days ago, uh, yesterday, in fact, and uh, always does a great job with his show, doing wonderful things, always uh, keeping me inspired and motivated. Says two of my favorite guys. I love to see it. Uh, keep doing your thing as well, Rico. Appreciate you guys, and I'll keep you abreast. Remember to follow along on social media so you can be up to date with when we are going to um, – Bring on Ken Segura, and uh, you don't have to hear through Facebook or be flipping and scrolling through to find out uh, when we're going live to have the show. We never know who you're going to get on this thing. We have uh, Lynn Elmore on tomorrow, by, by the way. Uh, so we do have Lynn Elmore. We have a couple more guests on top of that. In addition to the fact we've had Jay Billis, we've had Fran Fraschilla, we've had um, uh, uh, Seth Greenberg, Dan Dockage, he's a fan favorite most of the time. So you never know who you're going to get on the show. Instead of finding about it through the word of mouth or just scrolling around on social media, hit the subscription button. You'll get a notification. comes to your phone. It takes less than 30 seconds. I promise you it's all going to be worth it. Talk to you guys soon.